Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome, Seekers, to episode number 140 of the podcast, God Beyond the Bible. This is the podcast made by Seekers and for Seekers. I know getting back into the swing of this after everything we've been through, I kind of did a short intro on that. (laughs) Yeah, on that last day. Okay. Just reminding everybody that we are know our schedule is off, but we'll get back on yeah. things going. Every year at the holidays, we get all with the business and businesses mm-hmm. and everything we have to go through. Then sick flu season, yeah. everything, it just everything piles up on well, us. Well, Tabby and I have successfully for about the last thirty years gotten a cold between Thanksgiving Always, and Christmas yeah. every, every single year. year. Yeah. But old sinus thing going around, yeah. people's yep. getting that. Every it's not just you guys. Yeah. Wherever where I go, and it's not it's not the covid with these people no, it's it's, just, it, it's just a sinus thing but anyway hey hope you guys are staying safe out there and i know some of you're listening in places where the covid is really getting yes covid is really getting critical again and we probably thought it was here around the holidays gonna be like that how about some shout outs tracing yeah our shout outs this week are to christian frontier and our listeners in winsboro louisiana we're glad to have you guys on board awesome. i'm curious about that christian frontier is that a an organization i mean is that a group of people i or? cannot tell from their profile but i do believe it's some kind of an organization well cool i'd like awesome. to visit and see what that's about mm-hmm. christian frontier that that sounds like it might be something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just I'm trying to make out why we would why it would be named that and frontier new ground new, look at yeah. new ground new uh, area yeah. so anyway hey you guys just got a free plug there you go <laughs> all right our quote this week is from Suzanne DeWitt Hall she said certainty ends thoughts dismisses questions and halts further reasoning uncertainty invites searching and permits growth God makes room for ambiguity and knows there is power in uncertainty. I like like that that very, very Very much. much. Yes, I do. I surely do. Okay, today's topic, we're going to continue to discuss what we believe to be the most damaging doctrines, emotionally, spiritually, Mm -hmm. psychologically, of the modern organized church. Uh, You know, we can't speak really to other religions. I know there's probably any religion has probably got these problems, but we're only speaking to the Christian religion. So, and notice that I always say the modern organized church. I'm not singling individuals out here no. i'm singling out the organization and the direction the organization has mm-hmm. taken the organized and i think that organized part of it is where we get in all the trouble uh, yes uh last week we discussed three of the doctrines that we believe are damaging because they promote self-loathing instead of self-love 
uh, let's briefly recap the doctrine that says we're all flawed and born in the enemies of God. And we've talked about that three or four times. There's no really no need uh-huh. in doing too deep into it. but No, but I mean, that's, but that, that is, is like hypocrisy at its greatest. We yeah. are made in his image. We are created by this great creator, but he hates us. You are fearfully... And he, and he hates us because of what? Something we didn't even do. Yes. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, you wretch, that God cannot look at unless he looks through exactly. the eyes of Jesus. What? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Mm. How can we be, on one side of the scale, we're called his masterpiece, mm-hmm. and on the other end of the scale, we're called the filthy rags that he can't stand to look at? Right. All from the same book. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to just accept this with no questions. Discuss the separatism doctrine. We just briefly talked about that last time, but I mean, we did discuss it. This doctrine is defined as us against them, the whole world against the Christian, and the Christian against the whole world. And it's often promoted as the culture war in church circles. Well, you're either with us or against us. What is it? You can be wrong if you want to. Wasn't that the... Yeah, I had a a guy tell me that one time when I disagreed with him. He said, well, you can be wrong if you want to. Have the right to be wrong, but that's just that. That speaks to the quote that Tabitha used there. See, close yeah, mind. Yes. We're, we've got everything cemented in, and we don't don't want. And, but that same guy one time was in a study, and I challenged him on one of his deals, and he said, "My mind's made up. Don't confuse me with the facts." That's exactly what he said. He said, "My mind's made up. Oh, don't goodness. don't confuse me well, with the facts." Oh my goodness, I think we're all a little that way at times. And and I just been. cringe with the culture war thing because that's what most. Christian talk radio is that's their that's their platform. But you know, and these are sensationalism. all and and we can use that we can use that for all kinds of political and hateful mm-hmm. stuff. It's the culture. We're say, listen. Jesus didn't come to to reform society. Right. Did, he right. did no social reform. Did he do any social reform no. at all with the awful? What we're told is the awful Roman government at that time. Did he, did Jesus do one act? Did he send out his guys and say, I want you guys to go over here and vote for this? or vote. I want you to go over here and petition, carry some signs. And d- no. 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 That was the farthest thing because he said, my kingdom's not of this world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, discuss the male authoritarian doctrine. We talked about that quite a bit in the last episode. The male is subject to God. The female subject to male and the children are subject to everybody above. No wonder our well, kids are so messed up. Let's, <laughs> right? let's roll with... Um, and especially if you're a female child. Just yeah. think of that. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. As a male child, you've actually got... So we really... The order of that would be God, the man, then the woman, then the male child, and then the female, the female. child would yeah. be at the very bottom of the day. I, I didn't even think of that until right then. Well, to throw it... You know, a little bit farther on that one, Tabby and I had a woman who babysat us some as a child who would say things like, a lady should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that she said it to you as well I, as me I, at times. I, I, grew but... up, I grew up in an era where all children were to be, uh-huh. <laughs> to be seen, not heard, and preferably not seen. Yes. And that's so funny because I tell <laughs> that to my kids, just teasing them. I'm like, yeah. oh, there was a time... But they don't understand that. I mean, and I'm well, glad. It's good. I'm, I'm glad, glad they I'm glad don't have, have to no concept of that. that. Yeah. We talked a lot about the impact of the hierarchy of the male authoritarian mm-hmm. approach on the woman. But let's discuss the way this impacts the development of the children who are at the bottom of the tier of the authoritarian pyramid. Possibly even the little girl children. Yeah. Because they're at the very, are they not at the very, because even, just think about it, how this, because this thought just came to me while we were doing this podcast. Just think about Bailey, she's my granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Blake, 
Blake always gets shown in the church. He would get shown the favoritism, mm-hmm. right? Of course. Even as being the male child. Yeah. He got shown the favoritism. It was all, you know, and she was always just kind of in the shadow. Just there. little sister. That yeah. little sister Blake's, over there. That's Blake's sister. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's go ahead and discuss the church's hardline approach to child rearing and corporal punishment. In retrospect, is this a healthy approach? No. And how might this mindset affect the children who are raised with the model of strong disciplinary and child rearing? Well, because doesn't the church, I mean, I've done it myself. Spare the rods, spool the child. Yeah. You yeah. Know. I will tell you, as having a husband who very much grew up in one of those sort of households in his younger life, um, a lot of these children learn to do what's right out of fear and not because it's the right thing to do. They don't have a concept of, I'm going to do what's right because it's the right thing to do and it's going to help me later in life and this is a good decision and these are the pros and cons of this decision. He does what's right because somebody will come and punish you if you're not doing what's right. And then it leads to these like cycles of rebellion. But let's look at it on a surface level. I love you. You're my child. Mm -hmm. You messed up. I'm going to hit you. Yeah. I'm angry with you. And that becomes their response. Now, I know Mm -hmm. this is going to be hard for some people to take, but then that becomes their response. Let me Notice those children, as soon as they get angry, the first thing they do is hit. Personal. And then we tell them that's wrong. Don't do that. Yeah, don't hit. We don't get hit because we're angry. Personal experience. When I had Blake, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would at that point, spanking was what you did. It was you pop that tail and whatever. and. I did it a few times. Well, you guys know Blake was very headstrong and he had anger problems when he was little and that just made him angrier. So I learned early on that didn't work for us. But the turmoil that I felt inside when I would spank him was just, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, it's not. You know. And that's not a fake. All that does is we're reacting in anger. Mm -hmm. We're reacting in anger. You know, as you girls got a little older, I was bad for that when you were young. But when you got a little older, I wouldn't punish you right away. When mm-hmm. I was angry, right. I would say, I'm not going to punish you right now. We're going to yes. have to. And seldom did it ever come to corporal punishment after that. No, no. but it was certainly horrible to sit there and wait for it. Wait <laughs> but, to see what it was going to be. Well, that was psychological. But, you know, <laughs> and <too>. speaking <laughs> of, you know, Blake was the really headstrong. and But then you had Bailey that was on the opposite end of the scale. And if you spanked Bailey, it would absolutely demolish her psyche i mean she was so fragile when she was small now she's a little fireball but when she was small like that you know you could just act like you were gonna pop her or look at her and she would just and and just taking corporal punishment off of it just that really strong disciplinarian i'm going to tell you everything you do wrong no matter i don't think you teach your kids to think for themselves if you just are constantly on them this is not okay. This, you know, let them, if you don't make mistakes, I mean, you can look at your own personal life and do, you've learned more from your do mistakes. We, do than, we try to put that strong disciplinarian profile on the image of God because yes. of that? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes. He's too. angry. He's going to, God will mm-hmm. spank you. God, well, he loves you. And he does. See, what we get back to, what is that? I was trying to think of the text that says, uh, I, uh, those whom I love, I help me. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, if I love you, I, I will. It's about discipline, but I can't remember. Yeah. I, I discipline those whom I love, mm-hmm. or I correct. I correct those whom I love. And we automatically go to discipline. See, the word is correct. I correct those whom I But see, we automatically go to discipline. Right. Yeah. 
correcting. How do you things. correct? You correct with words. Mm-hmm. You I've correct entire, with speaking to someone. You don't beat them. Right. I've heard entire them. sermons on being under God's discipline. And well, I've preached to myself back in the day. I, I know. And it does. I mean, it's. You probably heard them from me. But like I said, one of my favorite quotes is strict parents create sneaky children. Oh, they do. Yeah. Because if your child is so, and that is a lot of my husband and I have discussed where his rebellion came from and the trouble that he got into in the wildness as a teenager, because if his parents found out that he was, did anything wrong, then there was heck to pay for it. So he got really good at just covering we can, up. We can say hell on here because we say, we, or is that just for church? <laughs> well, and, and let's face it. I mean, my kids, my kids are teenagers. They have... Let's just take music, for example. They listen to all kinds of music. Is it all? Y'all just have to create this. I got to turn the heat down. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's all the, um, not necessarily the music I would listen to. You know, I no. don't enjoy all of it, but I let them. That's their personal expression. And I know that they both have friends that say, well, we're going to listen to this with you, but we, we, we can't with anyone else because... Yeah, our mom and dad and, and won't so let us listen do? to this, so we only listen to it when mom and, and dad aren't around. And let me tell around. you, my kids are not perfect. If I said, no, you're not going to listen to that, I'm smart enough to know they're they probably going to do, they it may anyway. do it anyway. But you know, at the point that you're at with them, if you came to them and said, look, guys, that particular song that you're mm-hmm. listening to, I really wish you wouldn't. Or how about you say... Let's talk about what that song says. Yeah. How about that discussion? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what does that song say? Right. Is that something that agrees with you that you really, is, exactly. that, how, is that what you think? Is that how you think mm-hmm. we're supposed to be? Just stuff like that can mean more if we'll treat them like human beings instead of property. Yes. Yes. Instead of property. That's a very good. Sticking to our theme of what we believe to be damaging doctrines of the organized Christian religion, we've devoted a few episodes to the utilizing of the fear factor. You know, I've said that the church has a number of tools in their evangelical uh, toolkit, but fear is the handle that fits all the other tools. What's your impression of that statement, and is it fair or unfair? Well, I want you to listen to this quote about um governments and tell me if this sounds anything like the church yeah because well uh, the main goal of all government is power and to wield power you need control and to maintain control fear is the only option uh well we've always said the church is patterned after Mm -hmm. we pattern our we're structured after government and Let's use the remainder of this episode to discuss what we believe to be very damaging doctrine, and that is the promotion of guilt and shame as a way of recruiting, but also an effective tool at keeping the church's participants in line. First off, is it fair to say that, generally speaking, the church is very experienced at playing the guilt and shame card? Yes. Yeah. They're experts at it. And that's what's so funny. You know, the military has this mindset. They... They, the whole point of boot camp and everything is to break you down. To, yeah. Shame uh-huh. you, break you. But well, basically, then, what do they do? They build you back up into that person that... Reprogramming you. They repro- It's like the church is really good at the breaking down part, but we don't have the... Let's build them back up. The ladder up. to let's, get back up out of them. The, yeah, just, yeah, you just break down and keep you down. Yeah. That, that's a good analogy. I haven't really it even really thought is. of that. Uh, Guilt and shame, you know, uh, I, I turned on the TV for just a moment this morning and I caught a very popular, t- probably one of the last television evangelists still in our area that's on open air television mm-hmm. on a main network channel. 
so it won't be hard for you to figure out probably who that is. And I was I wasn't there. It wasn't even three minutes on there, and already guilt and shame. And when you're feeling that guilt and shame, it's because you're doing something that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of that guilt and shame. But and I'm so not- so see, we twist mm-hmm. guilt. Mm-hmm. See, we that's not that's not me doing that. That's not your own mind. That's not no. That's God doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's God doing that. Can we discuss guilt and shame without incorporating it into a sin discussion? No. Maybe, but it's going to be hard. How? I don't think, I can't think of anything because it's always, you know. It's you're guilt and shame over your sin. Yeah. yeah. That, by the way, Jesus paid for, but God's still not satisfied with. I, I started I, to say he I, I either just, did or didn't. I don't see how there are so many, you know what I mean? I Yeah, I get it. But well, we keep bringing it. First back of up. all, because it's not God. I'm not saying like that. That that's the truth. That's not the truth. Yeah, that's sure. the, that's the rhetoric. That mm-hmm. is the narrative that we use. Uh, nothing's ever good enough for God. Even the death of His own Son didn't take away the didn't sins of the whole world like He was promised to do. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Uh, that's by the church's narrative, not by right. We mentioned that fear is fundamental to the evangelical approach and <sighs> and to the Christian religion as a whole. Let's discuss the role of guilt and, that guilt and shame play in the evangelical movement. Most of it. Yeah. I, I, is it not packaged and sold and mm-hmm. then yes. reinforced? Feel guilt, feel shame, and then be afraid because of what you did. Yeah. Because that's going to result in hell if you're not careful. I mean, And I know I'm forgiven of that, but you may not be. Mm-hmm. You isn't can't, that the, yes. isn't that the, you can't <laughs> stand in here and listen to me preach and claim the chair Christian and get back in your car and, and listen to that music on your way home. And that's, and that's what we do. I mean, we, we make people feel guilt and shame over all of their sins. Well, of course, who doesn't want to get rid of that feeling? And they're like, Oh wait, I have the answer, but I'm going to give it to you, but the, it could be fleeting. It could fly away yeah. at any. Well, point. and again, I mentioned you know, previously about some of the groups that I follow and stuff. And one of them is about church traumas. And a woman made the statement. She said, I spent 15 years in therapy and counseling and Christian counseling, trying to get rid of this constant guilt and shame and pain that I felt only to realize that it was the church that gave me that guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety and the uh-huh. depression mm-hmm. and the all of the other things. We, uh, we mentioned that uh, yeah, you're on you know, besides evangelism, we mentioned the evangelist thing, mm-hmm. but besides evangelism, what are some of the ways the modern organized church uses guilt and shame to the organization's advantage? Well, let's see. You need to give that money back to God, so I'm going to guilt you into giving more money. Um, and these poor children, and I'm not saying there's mm-hmm. not, but we look at these and show you those slides mm-hmm. and show you everything that look at how well you're living and you how good what? you are. And how, it, what in your life was so much more important than being right there in that pew this morning? Yeah, God gave you God gave you life. You can't give him an hour a week. Oh yeah. Or what about you need to use that talent for God, or you're going to lose it. So they even guilt your talents, your you resources think? that you have. Well, and that you. is to leverage, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. just to leverage you that you commit everything to what? What well, is to God? No, to it, the it's the organization. Yes. How do you think God would feel about you doing that? About you going out and... Oh, yeah. What would... Yeah. 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 <laughs> there are people who have been so exposed to the guilt and shame associated with the Christian religion that they even say, if I walk out of a service and don't feel guilty about something, then the speaker wasn't doing his job. How tragic. Yeah, it's very sad. I mean... <laughs> In other words, 
if I don't just come out of there feeling like I can't, I can't think of the word I want to yeah. use. That's not, that wouldn't be that wouldn't, wouldn't be appropriate. But if yeah, if I just don't feel awful about myself, then and how does that help you in the week at all? And well, it helps me to know just how bad I am, and I'm going to have to work on myself, right? Yeah, and that for someone like myself who has anxiety and depression just leads you into a much deeper spiral that never stops. I, I really because don't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because by the time you start getting a handle on it, you go to another service that just... Well, it's never enough. We've exactly. talked about that. It's never enough. No matter what we do, we have this image of God because we get that image through the church. No matter how much you are, there's a little more. You could be doing more. Mm-hmm. There's more you could do. You could be doing more. Uh, what are we at? 13? 13. When a lesson or a sermon is directed at making the audience feel guilty and shameful in order to get a desired response, many justify, I spoke about this a while ago, many justify this approach as being convicted by the Holy Spirit. How do you feel about that now? It disgusts me because I don't need the Holy Spirit to make me feel. I can think back on something. My mind can bring up something I did and I can feel that shame and I can feel that guilt all on my own. Now it's the Spirit inside of me that says, you know, leave that alone over. leave that alone yes. don't visit Quit there picking don't, at the yeah. scab yeah let's don't go back there but yeah but see see but how I we have... even see how we even incorporate mm-hmm. that yes oh that's a, we make it a good th- oh that's a good thing yeah the holy spirit's because i'm totally going to be able to go back to that smart alecky thing i said to that cashier 15 years ago and fix that right i mean especially when it's well you can the... at least come to the altar and beg and cry exactly yeah. You know, I feel much like Tabby. Did that sound sacrilegious? <laughs> a little bit. Truth, though. <laughs> but, you know, I feel at this point a lot like Tabby where I'm just sitting back and going, okay, I, that's not, you know, the spirit in me is going, Trayson, you don't even remember what they looked like. You just remember <laughs> this little snippet of conversation. They've long since forgotten about it. Girl, let it go. Yeah. There are those who classify the church's use of fear, guilt, and shame as emotional and psychological manipulation or even blackmail yes. or whatever exploitation to obtain or maintain control over a group of subjects and to get a desired emotional, physical, and psychological response. Would we classify this as a cult tactic in any other setting besides the church? Probably not. Look at Jim Jones, David Koresh, even, even Charles Manson. He... He, that's what he did. He never he, killed anyone. He incited. And he preyed on the weak, the people yes. with no self-esteem, the people who had, even if you have followed, if you've looked into Scientology at all, L. Ron Hubbard, that's what he, that's what he did. He wanted to find the most broken because he could build them up in his own way. That's what every cult does. That's mm. very true. Painful, but true. Well, non-expert opinion. If this is the age of the collapse of the modern organized church, as we believe it is, yes. not 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 believers, not godly people, not spiritual people, but the, the collapse of the modern organized church, might a new movement emerge that replaces the use of fear, guilt, and shame with a more positive, uplifting, and encouraging approach? Will this movement be forced to soften its position on the infallibility and the inerrancy of the Bible itself in order to accomplish that? I think it's well underway, and I think we're a perfect example of that because we are not the only people out here who have these feelings and these beliefs, you know, our listeners. And our listeners probably, I'm sure, listen to other podcasts and have other media that 
talk about similar things. There's sure. a whole group of us out here, and it's well, there's growing. a lot. There's a lot of us. But there's, there's probably also a huge counter group that's, that's digging this. their feet yes. in the ground yeah. and saying we have to stop. Every this. time you do, you can't go on YouTube and you'll see something, and there's some good teaching about how hell is not eternal torment. Mm-hmm. all over you but i guarantee you can look and see for every one of them there's somebody backing up the hell yes. backing up the deal i can tell you why that's wrong i'm going to show you why god's sending people to hell you know what i'm saying it's so so what all they're trying to do in my mind is the people that might be straying a little bit from the dogmas and do- we're going to whip them back in with fear and yeah there again the guilt and shame and fear anything else um, I would say to everyone out there, don't let yourself fall into that spiral of the fear and guilt and shame over and over again. You you can overcome it. And maybe you're in a place where you need some kind of professional help and therapy and things like that to get through it. And there is help out there. Don't. A thought just came to me. Can I ever do anything that God didn't give me the capacity to do? No, you can't. <laughs> Oh, you're just blaming God for it. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. But anyway, so Y'all that's, think a, that's that. a good place to end. Until next time, may the unconditional grace, peace, and love of the Most High be on in and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.